enter the silly season and start to ramp up our social calendars because today I'm interviewing Melissa Faruja, who is such a gorgeous kinesiologist that I came across last year. And we talk about the feminine and how useful that framework is to keeping um, our lives and our bodies in balance. And we also talk, kind of delve further into, um, I guess, why women push ourselves and why this time of year in particular is um, so energetic, but also can be so draining. So I'm really excited to share this episode. It's very timely um, for me as well, because I um, have been quite aware of the last few weeks that I've been taking on a lot work-wise, also, you know, the social stuff and thinking about next year. And even though I teach mindfulness and there's all of this stuff and tools that I have, I've noticed myself really getting caught up in that frantic energy of having to get things done by an arbitrary deadline. And the results are in and, you know, just this week, having come back from a trip um, up to Canberra, I've found myself with a cold. So I'm really looking forward to sharing this episode with you because it's so full of wisdom in terms of how to embrace the feminine, to allow that intuition to really guide our lives and guide the decisions that we make. I'm going to introduce the gorgeous Melissa um, and share with you a bit about her journey. So Melissa is um, a passionate shamanic kinesiologist. She's a writer, teacher, and the creator of Soul Wellness. She combines her formal training with life experience and her own keen sense of intuition, which I've experience firsthand as one of her clients. Melissa supports self-responsible souls who are at a growth point in their life, desiring to shift from that feeling of being stagnant to feeling deeply connected and alive in the life they're living. Melissa facilitates personal transformation during one-on-one healing sessions through her beautiful 12-month initiation journey devotion and through various workshops and ceremonies as well. She's the creator of Alchemy Codes, which is a self-healing activation uh, process that awakens the remembering of the divine feminine consciousness. And she's also created 31 Days of Soul Wellness, which is self-healing practices to help reset the foundations of your life and create sustainable change. I know when Melissa isn't crafting new projects for soul wellness, she's really living her own soul-aligned life, regularly spending time in nature, cultivating creativity and community, and bringing personal dreams to fruition. I first came across Melissa when I was um, about halfway through my pregnancy and I was just feeling out of alignment. I I was not feeling connected with my body or with my baby. And uh, Melissa just really embodies the notion of being the vibe as in she has such a beautiful presence and has really done the work on herself to enable her to you know process and um, enable tremendous growth in her clients and those women that work with her Um, so without further ado let's jump into the episode Hey, Melissa, thanks so much for making the time to chat with us today. Hi, Meg. How are you? I'm really good. Really good, aside from the cold that um, 
that I have developed, but we'll, we'll discuss, I'm sure. How are you going? Oh, excellent. Had a really lovely day. Thank you. Perfect. So I think it would be so um, beautiful to share with the listeners a bit about your journey. Obviously, I've introduced you with your bio, but just in your words, I would love to know how you came to be doing what you're doing and um, the, the lessons that you've kind of learned along the way. Mm, okay. Um, so going back to, I guess, the very beginning, um, which is the, my discovery of kinesiology, it was about 10 years ago. Um, what brought me to kinesiology was my own personal health circumstances. Um, for about a year, I'd been really battling with symptoms of carrying two large fibroids. Um, it was quite depleting on my body energetically. Uh, it was really limiting the way that I was able to live. Uh, and at the very end of a year of, of quite significant symptoms, I ended up having them surgically removed. Uh, and at that time, I remember speaking to doctors and, and various other health professionals about why I developed these fibroids and nobody could really give me um, a reason around it. Uh, also at that time, I was quite young, I was 24 uh, and I'm 35 at the moment, but when I was 20, uh, 24, there was also some swelling as a result of an infection that I developed from the surgery and they wanted to uh, do a hysterectomy because they thought it was internal bleeding. So at that point in my life, there were some really big shocks and it really called me to question um, the advice that I was given or the lack of, of uh, information that I was given and also really develop an understanding around my own body. Through the, the healing process, which was a good six weeks of the physical recovery, it really ignited this uh, sense of wanting to know more and really sent me on a, a bit of a journey of uh, more holistic methods of healing. And that's actually when I came across kinesiology. Uh, it was, you know, in the general way of doing Google searches at that point. And every single time, it was so synchronistic, every single time I searched any kind of um, holistic therapy, kinesiology would be the very first item that would come up at the top of the search results. And I didn't intellectually understand what kinesiology was, but my entire body just lit up. And I was so filled with inspiration and I had all over body tingles. And so I knew at some point that was what I needed to go and explore and study. Uh, so I did eventually study, but at, at that juncture point or that choice point um, when I had my surgery, all of the elements of my life that I've really been gripping onto fell away and that opened up an opportunity to go and explore. So I went and I lived in Vancouver and that was my first opportunity to really discover some shamanic and indigenous wisdom and so simultaneously in that that year of, of awakening I discovered my body and I also discovered uh, shamanic wisdom and they're my two greatest passions and so over the last decade or so uh, it's really developed and unfolded and I've been on that path of exploration ever since. And now teaching obviously so yeah. at some point that um, wisdom 
you know, needed to be taught and shared? And, and mm-hmm. what stage did you kind of start doing that? Uh, I think, look, as, as, you know, we all do, we've all got innate qualities to us. Um, teaching, I think, has always been in one form or another something that I've wanted to do. And I actually remember um, when I was at the end of my kinesiology diploma, I stood up uh, at the front of the class. It was the last day, and I stood up at the front of the class, and the whole class was full. And I just stood there because I was typically so petrified of speaking in public spaces. That was not something that I felt comfortable doing. But my call to teach was so strong. On that last day, I thought to myself, I can be brave enough and just stand up. And I didn't say anything, and I didn't share, and I didn't teach, but I stood and I visualized myself standing in the front of a full class of 30 adults at that point, um, and just went, you know, I can do this. And I think at that seed moment of standing up there, my body was shaking, uh, but really handing over to the vision and that internal knowing that one day I would teach, that set off the... Uh, natural synchronicity of life that brought me opportunities. Um, Within my kinesiology sessions, I naturally would weave in teachings. The way that I teach is that I experience uh, lessons and learnings and then through that teaching of my own experience, which is the more feminine way of doing it, um, I would pass on that information. So that is the way that I would naturally teach uh, and since then, I just, I guess, incrementally began uh, taking steps and saying, you know, I can create workshops and there's all this amazing information and I really want to pass it on. And so my desire to teach became bigger than my own uh, personal insecurities around teaching. And then everything's just flowed and, and organically uh, grown from there. Oh, I love it so much. So many things that I want to pick up on that you just talked about um but I guess going back to the the body because I think Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of us start our journeys and then Mm -hmm. from that we we go within so I guess fibroids are such an interesting Mm. symptom to have can you talk a little bit more about perhaps the interplay between what was going on with your life and the physical symptoms that you're experiencing and then I guess how you work towards overcoming them Mm, Absolutely. I might even go back even further than that because my journey into embodying feminine wisdom I think has always really been around and quite symptomatic for me. So um, I had my first period when I was eight years old and I tell people that and nobody's ever really heard of anyone that's, that's done, you know, had their first period at eight. So Um, When I go back and I think about what was going on for me in my life at that time and what I've I've since realised is anything around my womb space, it's all about boundaries. Uh, And one of my passions that I've always had is really overgiving my energy and really leaking energy. And so 
when I look back at my entire journey, even as, as an eight-year-old child, within my home, I naturally took on the role of healer. Um, and we're all born into this world with our archetypal gifts and the roles that we play. And then it's up to us to develop them uh, as we have insights into them. And, and your body's always teaching and your body's always sharing wisdom with you. Um, so... When I was eight, it was definitely a leaking of energy and overgiving of my energy to my family, to my schoolmates. Um, but it was also really much a reflection of where I needed to develop my power in my sense of self. Um, when I was 24 and I had those two fibroids surgically removed, I certainly know that I was in a relationship that was so incredibly destructive and there was this real um, power play going on in that relationship where I had him on such a pedestal it's quite ridiculous when I look back at it now it's quite laughable but at that moment in time my sense of personal power and value was actually quite low and I really did put him on a pedestal and so a lot of my energy went into um, maintaining that relationship rather than maintaining my own relationship with myself. Um, and I even know in present day, depending on what my cycle is doing, um, it's such an indicator of where I'm literally bleeding out my energy. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's been quite the journey, just that in itself. And I mean, I love that you talked on archetypes because I think, I mean, we'll go into what the feminine, I guess, is in, in more depth in a minute, but I, I guess it's just so interesting because what you're in essence saying is how important it is to know yourself, that real in-depth knowledge, um, and that, that that's where the power kind of comes from. That's where you become empowered. Yeah, absolutely. Um, knowing yourself, but also I think your power comes from really honouring your relationship with yourself as well, rather than, I mean, I see so much, and I've certainly lived this pattern where um, there's power struggles, and when you invest too much of yourself in outside circumstances, that's where you end up leaking your energy and your power, Whereas if you develop your definitely your self-awareness so you understand your own patterns, um, but if you really devote to creating a beautiful, loving, blossoming relationship with yourself, your internal power grows and then by virtue of that, your life blossoms. I love that. I love that um, idea. of It's so evocative when you talk about that real really deep connection with self it's mm. just mm, I can feel it in my body <laughs> so let's go back and and talk a little bit about this idea of the feminine because I think there's a lot out there now being talked about mm. maybe in terms of mindfulness and yoga but what is what does it mean to you and I guess how do you work with the feminine qualities in your own life but also how do you teach that um that wisdom to clients that you work with mm. so the feminine really simply is being in a receptive state it's about 
really developing an affinity with your own internal voice and your own intuition. And then, and this is so important, following through with action. One of the simplest ways that I teach this to or with my clients is getting them to say a daily prayer or inviting them to say a daily prayer to their heart space and it's simple acknowledgement. It's hands over your heart, breathing into your heart space and saying, hello there, I see you, I feel you, I hear you, I love you. It's so important to acknowledge your heart space. That's where your soul resides. And so develop quite a a physical, tangible relationship with touch and also bringing your mind and all of who you are down into your heart space and cultivate presence with your heart space. And what that is doing, it's shifting your perspective from intellectualizing the world around you and having connections with ideas and shifting it into an experience. How I personally work with my feminine, and it's quite interesting because I think I'm naturally in my feminine, but I've had to um, change the way that I do things, and rather than my feminine be in one compartment and then my masculine action doing side being in another compartment... I've had to learn a way of coming into wholeness. So, um, and I want to expand on that. In my quiet moments, I used to be so in love with all of this wisdom and all of this inspiration that would naturally flood into my body. I would sit and I would breathe and I would say, wow, isn't that amazing? And then I would get up out into the world and I would flip into the, um, the more masculine model and way of doing things, which is what our, our you know, current modern-day culture does. And my mind would intellectualise everything and I would grip onto ideas and I would push and I would force and I would struggle. So for me, my big lesson was really trusting the intuitive insights that I was receiving and then allowing my mind to bring that into fruition, those ideas into fruition. So it was a dissolving of of the old structures, I would say. That's so um, brilliant. I love that. I love it because I think think the conversation about the feminine, Mm. I don't know about you, but I found... It's this idea, it's almost a, the acculturation that we as women have taken on now being expressed through the feminine. And by that I mean that the feminine is this, you know, intuitive, spiritual, receiving, nurturing, grounded being, and that that's how we should be. But maybe, you know, it, yes, it's the interplay between them as you've described, but maybe could you go a little bit into the other elements of the feminine that might be kind of being missed in that conversation, <laughs> some of the archetypes perhaps, like the temptress and the other sides of, I guess, femininity that, that are not being talked about that we need to own as well. Mm, sure. Look, I, I really love when I talk about um, the feminine, I like keeping things really simple because I think um, overcomplicating things makes things overwhelming. So for me, the simplest way to look at the feminine is what is love. 
So love can be incredibly fierce. It can be uh, incredibly charismatic. It can be very vulnerable and soft. It can be um, sometimes the way that I feel love is an interplay and a conversation with my inner child and my wise woman, and they come together to nurture one another. Um, you know, the feminine certainly is receiving and receptive, but it's also showing up in life with a fire. Mm-hmm. And it's that internal fire and that um, sense of power. Um, I really want to just plant this seed, and, and I'm sure other people speak about it as well, but the feminine isn't just soft and watery. We are The feminine is incredibly powerful. But again, going back to what I spoke about at the very beginning, it's an internal power. It's not external power struggle. So it's like you have, you have this internal fire within you that is blazing as if it's a ceremonial fire. And your communication and the way that you show up in the world and the way that you see the world is more imbued with that fire so that you're you're allowing life to meet you. Mm. Such a good visual. <clears throat> Just, the, yeah, I love it. Do you think that, I mean, I'm just so fascinated by this whole concept. The people that you work with, I guess the women that you're working with, you you know, you said that you, you're kind of helping them move from this feeling of being stuck and mm. to being more alive. How important is the kind of this this wisdom to that process? Like how how does the feminine play out in that getting unstuck in a practical way, I guess, trying to explain how it might benefit in that really practical way? I think any time we're at a place of personal growth, the fear mind and the fear story really kicks up. You know, and it's it does it for many different reasons, but it's it's essentially to keep you really safe. So, part of the way that the the feminine work does help this sense of growth, it's about learning to trust the the intuition and then playing with your intuition that comes up with practical steps. So I really want to um, certainly highlight that it's not just about developing the feminine, it's also about allowing that masculine action external part of ourselves, um, allowing that to honour the feminine self. So your mind ends up honouring your heart. So typically with the clients that I work with, they're so in their mind about how they're going to, you know, change their life. And so I really invite them through various embodiment uh, practices, such as the one that we spoke about before about hands over the heart and saying that prayer, to just still everything and allow the mind to go quiet. And so step by step, beginning to see the world through the eyes of their heart rather than the eyes of their mind. So it's about shifting perspective completely. And so, you know, something that we can all do is become more present. And I believe presence is a quality of the feminine. And you can also shift your perspective. So at any point in your growth path and story, you can choose the thought that you have. 
So aligning your thought to a more loving thought rather than a more fee-based thought. Also, if there's circumstances that you're really not understanding a, a practical way out of, really ask a different question. Ask, how can I create my growth? When you ask, how can I create my growth, you're really sending that out to your soul to provide that answer to you. And your soul speaks to you through life and through the engagement of life. It might be a sense in your body. You might be reading something and one particular word in what you're reading, you feel so inspired by it. So um, I want to give you a personal example where over the last two years I've really, really been developing my sense of um, my feminine energy. And one word that really kept standing out for for me was embolden. And I felt this absolute resonance with embolden. And I brought that to myself and I went, okay, where in my body do I need to feel more emboldened? And so this is all, uh, I would classify this as a feminine way of doing things. Ask the right question, ask a different question and bring it into your body. With that sense of wanting to feel emboldened, typically in my solar plexus, that's where I wanted to feel more powerful. And so then I would seek out in my day as an invitation opportunities and conversations where I could bring more of my truth to the world. And then through those incremental steps, I started to feel more emboldened and more more powerful. I also started to recognize where I was diluting myself. So that one word ended up becoming a bit of an anchor um, that I would align everything that I would do to that one particular word and that one vibration until I started to feel like it was part of me, a natural part of me. So, you know, the feminine can act out in so many different ways, but it really is about shifting your perception, bringing it into your body and asking different questions. I really like that example. I think it's such a practical way of explaining it, of of the process of how someone might start um, to bring that balance back in. Mm -hmm. I know that when I first came to you, there was a few things you said in terms of... um, I guess your environment and also, I mean, you've already spoken to a little bit about the the people that you're around, but Mm -hmm. what are some of the, I guess, the other qualities and then how you might bring them into either your environment or your body or your mind or your space? Mm. Um, In terms of your environment, I think it's really important to be around people that inspire you. Um, and inspiration comes in many, many different forms. So the people that you're around, they don't necessarily need to have the same belief systems as you, but they need to be inspiring to you in some way. Um, when you're around people, I personally believe there needs to be an equal energy exchange. So, um, what I really noticed, and, and I go through cycles of this all the time, when I'm around people, if my energy is feeling drained, I need to really question, is that an equal exchange um, you know, in friendship or, or how can I change the way that I am around them so I can support the shift in the energy and how am I enabling potentially a victim story that they're carrying out and then that's draining my energy. So I think it's really important to 
understand where your energy is sitting. And if you're feeling enlivened around people in your environment, then it's a great match. And if you're not, take a step back to allow yourself perspective because it might not be about completely cutting the relationship, but it might be around doing things differently. Uh, Similarly with work. So my work in particular, obviously it's very energy-based, so I'm very in tune with that. Uh, and looking at what's working and what isn't and and my part in that because everything is co-creation. So what is going on with me that is affecting my work? For instance, uh, this year in particular, I really, I had, uh, since June I would say, a good four months where all of my uh, support systems that I really thought were quite functional fall away completely. And so what I noticed with myself is I quite easily went into a victim story. And so that was quite interesting for me to observe because obviously that's not where I want to be investing my energy. But then when I started, uh, when I took a step back and I realized the, um, the belief systems that were coming up and my actions to support that were more in alignment with scarcity consciousness as opposed to prosperity consciousness, I started to shift the way that I was doing things so that they were more in alignment with prosperity and what I said I believed in. Um, these are, this is all stuff that's going on in your environment. Also, understand where you're leaking your energy. It could be something as simple as your phone. How much time are you spending on your phone? Mm. Or how much time are you, um, you know, spending waiting for a phone call or waiting for a text message? Those sorts of things. So really, in your environment, checking where you're leaking energy and then stopping that energy leak. These are some things that are just coming to me. It, do you need me to be more specific? Or? No, I think that's, I mean, that's exactly it. And it comes back to the the question that you asked before, <laughs> you know, when that question is coming or the answer is coming from the heart space, we mm. all intuitively know where those energy leaks are. It's not mm. an intellectual process. And so, yeah, I think that's, Ooh. That's perfect. I remember you said to me, go and walk up a mountain and sit there. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think maybe because we, we're running out of time, if you could just touch on on kind of three things that, that actually come up in your bio and that you've already talked about a little bit around creativity because I know that's something that's thought of as a feminine quality but but perhaps you've got a different view and then you know around this this idea of connection and um, nature which I think are the three things that are kind of talked about regularly in terms of how we could bring that feminine in but I know you've done a lot of work with creativity so I would love your view on that yeah absolutely look I I don't actually recognize any of that as separate I think um well, I totally believe that we are all sentient and we all come from the energy of creation and creativity. So nature is creativity. Drawing is creativity. Um, The way someone works out mathematical equations with such fluidity and grace, if, if that's where they naturally called, that is creativity. For me, creativity is anything that lights us up anything that moves us so much that we just have to do it. Um, 
it's that sense of creativity that comes from the body and not from the mind. And in recent years, what I've discovered is creativity definitely is not um, an intellectual process and it's not the perfectionist either. It's not the wounded artist. Mm. It's, it's creativity purely for the sense of creating with no desired outcome as such. And I think... I mean, obviously within my work, I'm quite creative and the way that I um, run my one-to-one sessions and workshops, but when I do that, there's actually no desired outcome other than to be of higher service and that's it. I don't have a defined outcome. I don't have a picture in my mind and so I want to share with everyone that's listening that when you create from that pure passion of creating, magic happens in your life. You know, when you go out into nature and you take a moment to be really, really present, you will see things in nature that you have never seen before. Mm. And so I invite everybody just to go and sit and allow creativity to awaken them. So lose the, you know, the mental limitations around creativity and what it is and what it is not and become curious about what it is for you. Oh, so you've just answered my, my question, which was around um, that if someone's feeling really stuck, because I, I guess when you talked about the victim story before, I think something mm-hmm. that comes up a lot, you know, when we talk about this stuff and creativity and um, I guess moving beyond where we are now or moving mm-hmm. forward, mm-hmm. there's this sense of I don't know what I'm moving toward. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, you talked about it briefly, but perhaps just what would you what would be your one pearl of wisdom for someone that feels that way feels really depleted and stuck and just has lost that sense of of what what's next and and where to go um so there's two things that come to mind and the first thing is allow your body to move you Mm. your body knows everything so really honour the urges, really honour um, the expression of your body. The smallest amount of inspiration or, you know, just the desire to breathe for 10 minutes consciously will have gifts in and of itself. And the other thing that I want to say is become really passionate about yourself mm. um, rather than the ideas and the ideals of the world around you. If you become present and you allow your body to move you and you become passionate about you, everything sorts itself out. The ideas come, the clarity comes. Um, I do want to say one thing about vision. I think, you know, we become so um, stuck on the idea of knowing the vision and knowing the outcome and if we know the vision and we know the outcome we're going to be okay sometimes and this is certainly something that I've experienced the veil of your vision goes and this is the prime moment for you to develop trust and presence in the moment Mm. and so with that trust and presence in the moment you tune into your body and you go okay body what are we doing next and then you take that step and you continue to take those steps. I just love, I love having conversations with you because you intuit <laughs> my questions before I even have to ask. Them. Oh, <laughs> Such that. is your strength. <laughs> um, 
it's, that's exactly it's letting letting go of that expectation and form and, and outcome is where the where the magic really starts to come in I think it's something that you really taught me and something that I'm working on you know daily and yeah I love that idea <laughs> it's a challenge um yeah, and it's an evolutionary process as well. You know, we're all learning, and I think if we can just embrace that, I love that I know that I'm a work in progress mm. because that means there's more magic, there's more inspiration. I don't have to have everything figured out, and I just do my best every day, and, and that's my responsibility. Mm. I mean, it just feeds so nicely into the the last podcast episode with Christy on self-compassion because I think it... And, yeah, it's such a big part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So where to next for you in 2017? And um, also how can people get in touch with you? Because I know there'll be a lot of people who have really <clears throat> resonated with what you've shared today. Mm, absolutely. Um, so first of all, people, the easiest way for people to get in contact with me is via my website, which is soulwellness.com.au uh, or by email, which is melissa at soulwellness.com.au. Um, 2017, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so excited for what's to come. Uh, I've just begun uh, a 12-month mentorship program, which is de- called Devotion. Uh, and I have some people that have already started and applications close on the 6th of January, so there's still still some time for people to get applications in if they're wanting to work closely together over 12 months to really um, blossom themselves into being. Uh, Also, I offer one-to-one sessions. Uh, If you're in Melbourne, I hold those sessions in Elwood. Otherwise, for people outside of Melbourne, I work uh, via Skype. There are various workshops that I'm working on at the moment and some ceremonies as well, which I'm really excited about. One in particular is uh, sharing the 13th rite of the Monai Key, which is um, a rite from a Peruvian lineage. And the 13th rite of the Monai Key is the rite of the womb. Um, mm. So that's coming up in February. And then there's lots planned <laughs> for the rest of 2017. And I'll update my website with all of those details as well. It sounds very exciting and (laughs) yeah, I just so appreciate you um, sharing so generously your wisdom today. There's just so much in this conversation and I want to go back and listen to it again and again. So I hope that the listeners feel the same. Um, Thank you again, Mel, and I wish you a really beautiful 2017. Thank you so much, Meg. Thank you for this opportunity to create together Mm. and also for providing this beautiful platform for so many people as well so thank you you're welcome (laughs) okay see you next time see you next time